genre. Hello and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring, one minute at a time. I'm Norman Mitchell. You shall not guess. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. <laughs> Joining us again today is the Crystal Bet. The Crystal Bet. The Crystal Bet. That's me! The. Yes. <laughs> I wish I could say I'm the one and only, but there are many more. I'm just the one that watches movies. <laughs> there you go. And today... We're talking about Minute 147, which starts with the Fellowship finishing running across the bridge, Mm -hmm. except for Gandalf, and ends with the bridge cracking and starting to crumble as the Balrog moves forward. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. So we're here. We made it. We made it. (laughs) We shall pass (laughs) beyond this this moment. Do we know that for sure? Yes. Okay, good. You're tempting fate right now. (laughs) <laughs> I suppose. Mics break. Computer. Oh God! Uh, <laughs> oh, podcast Fine. gods, don't listen to us. Pay attention to Indiana Jones minute. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, a large rock will just roll out of nowhere at them. It's fine. <laughs> so we we get to see the Balrog in full, mm-hmm. and all of his flaming glory. <laughs> I just you say just let it go that, just, I don't know <laughs> it's like in like rainbow booty shorts like <laughs> flaming glory oh I can't yeah. pass I will tell you <laughs> right <laughs> snapping his fingers <laughs> man so yes we get the the what is probably the most iconic moment of the movie I quote this daily mm-hmm all the time, uh, if anyone's uh, in my way. You shall not pass. Oh, or are I you always... talking about how you say, I am a servant of the secret fire, wielder of the right. flame of anger, you cannot pass, the dark fire will not avail you. Is that what you say? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's, That's how I introduce myself at job interviews. Like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm a servant of the secret fire. <laughs> right. Oh my God, they'd be like, who is this? <laughs> Go back to the shadow. I always want to finish it with From Whence You Came. No. But that's like some Berenstein, Berenstein bear. Nonsense. No, don't. Just we like... can't talk about that right now. <laughs> okay, okay. Just like, just like, uh, the Next Mandela we'll have another one of those moments for people. Me. Okay. Because there's a lot of people that don't think it says fly, you fools. It says fly, you fools. I know. It says there's a lot fools. of people that don't think it does. Those people are fools. I agree. Yes. They are fools. <laughs> That's the whole thing with the yeah. uh, fan theory of fly, you fools. They're, he's saying to use mm-hmm. the eagles. I, it makes me crazy. Do you, wait, no, do no you guys... because he's not telling them to use the eagles. Yes, exactly. Okay, good. For half a second, I thought you were going to be like, um, actually, and I was gonna be like, oh, God, we're going to have to talk about this. It's like, okay, bye. <laughs> he's saying run. Like, that's how you say fly. He's not actually saying fly. And maybe he, like, and the theory is like, oh, we forgot to tell them. Like, no, no. Gandalf does not forget to tell. I don't need to argue about this with you people. You know. You're in the know. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. We can we can discuss it more tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. So sorry, I'm jumping the gun. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> so we get to talk about some things here that uh I feel like maybe uh I'm in the minority of thinking in that Gandalf kind of knows he's gonna die here. Yeah, okay. So present your evidence. So sir. So the whole structure of the movie to this point mm-hmm. has been kind of about the inevitability of happenings, of fate, in a way. Especially in the last, like, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Not, like, with the way that things are put together, conversations that Gandalf has with Frodo, two conversations that Gandalf has with Frodo right. on his way into Moria. Also, when he tells Gimli that they're not going to Moria, he doesn't frame it as we aren't going to Moria. He frames it as I would never go to Moria. Okay. And he he also, I don't know, I think it's very easy to draw the conclusion that he knows what's here, especially with the shot from Saruman to Gandalf talking about the Balrog. Right. Gandalf kind of views himself as weak, which we've already talked about as well. Gandalf does not view himself as a strong being. He views himself as not being strong enough to being selected for this quest in the first place. Not being powerful enough to resist the will of Sauron. By, by quest, by this quest, you don't mean the like, I don't mean the fellowship quest. quest. I mean, mean like, like his the, purpose on Middle-earth. <laughs> his purpose on Middle-earth yeah. quest. His life quest. His okay. goal as like a being. Right. Uh, arguably the reason he was created. Mm-hmm. He doesn't believe he's up to the task. He's also, he's counted as one of the wisest among the Maiar. That's the way he's always described in the Silmarillion. Okay. Gandalf is described as the wisest of the Maiar. That's a nice and, compliment. Yeah. Because there are a lot of them. Yeah. There are a lot of them. Uh, Tom Bombadil's wife is almost certainly a Maiar. Because she's she's called like a, a daughter of the river. Yeah. So she's a, she's a being connected to the natural world. So she's almost certainly a Maiar. Tom, we're not sure, but we've talked about that. But Goldberry, probably a Meyer. <laughs> okay. Uh, hmm. That's cool. I don't know. I still like. I still think that Gandalf, even though he knows what's here, I don't think he's a fatalist. The, also, like the way he talks as Gandalf the White, yeah. and what he went through, is kind of from the perspective of someone that knew he was going to change when he died. Yeah, but like hindsight is twenty twenty. Right. You know, but I, the way the movie is framed, he knows he's going to die. He's talking about fate and how Frodo's going to have to get along without him. Bef- like for the last 15 minutes before this, mm-hmm. you can even, even the tiniest part when he's running across the bridge and he's behind everyone, he's running like a very tired man. That is a man that's probably a little resigned to what's going to, that's what it looks like to me anyway. So I, I agree with your theory that, yeah. you know, he can sense if you're that connected to the world, you can sense when something weird is going to happen. Even, I'm not that connected to the world, but I can tell, even at a smaller scale, like when one of my friends walked in and I just saw her and I was like, she's pregnant. And she was. And it's like a tiny <laughs> oh little thing that's yeah. not that big of a deal. It's not like, it's not a death that I see and sense into the future. But if someone's more connected to the world, they could probably feel that that's going to happen. And I agree with, uh, I agree with you, Norman, about... I guess the the clues. 
Yeah. I mean, the book's very, is very different in some, uh, in some ways when it comes to this sort of stuff. But I still always got the impression from the book that Gandalf kind of knew he was going to die. And mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily in Moria, but he knew he was not going to get through, go through, get through this unscathed. He knew he would be reborn as Gandalf the White. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I have because- a question for you. Uh, in the books, when Gandalf is uh, trying to ward off the other magic that's happening, like when they leave the well room, the, uh, mm-hmm. the yeah. where, yeah. Is that the Balrog? Is that what magic he's going? Because that's something in the book that I've... Yes. That's the Balrog that breaks that spell. Okay. That breaks the warding that Gandalf has. Okay, that's, that's what I thought. That's what I've always gotten from that. And uh, Gandalf kind of mentions that it's a kind of terrible power he hasn't experienced in a long time mm-hmm. or ever. Yes. Okay, great. That's It was something that I've always wondered, but I haven't looked up. And again, I haven't read the Silmarillion because the name of the title is too hard to say. Never mind, read the book. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, that's what I thought. So I was like, ooh, he must have had an inkling in the back of his mind of, oh, no, this is this is it. Yeah. It, when I re- when I read the uh, reread that scene again uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, I was looking through it. And to me, that whole sequence reads as uh, Gandalf confirming that there is a Balrog here mm-hmm. by the way that that spell is broken and what it does to him. Because from that point forward, in the book is when Gandalf is just like, "You all need to go." Right. Yeah, like you, you need to run. Right, and he, yes, yes, because he's like testing out the mat, like he's kind of reaching a hand out, like, "Hey, what's, right," what's and the Balrog going on? slaps him. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. he's reaching a hand out to see what, it, like, trying to find something in the dark, and yeah. the Balrog can see him and just slaps him across the face. Oh. That's so insulting. <laughs> like, that's like kind of what happened. It's just like the Balrog can see him and he just smacks him before Gandalf even knows he's there. Mm. Gosh, it's crazy. See, okay, but like, I don't know. That, like, that whole reaching out and confirming thing yeah. is what makes me think that he doesn't think he's going to die. Well, like, And well, I also like... Well, the book and the movie are kind of different in that yeah, regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he, the the Maiar spirit that is Gandalf and is not technically Gandalf because we don't know entirely how much they know from their existence as a full spirit right. into their existence as like clothed in flesh. Well, you can't contain like limitless knowledge in a mortal form. Elves. Elves are the exception. I mean, they're not mortal, I guess. Like you can't. Like elves, but elves but they're aren't physical. Elves weren't spirits first, though, were they? No, they were created okay. by Iluvatar. Because, like, you you go from one state of being to another state of being, you can't. It doesn't translate. Like, not everything translates. Right, but then when he's like Gandalf the White, he has like all of that knowledge again. Okay. Most of it, anyway. Yes. He much more of it. Yeah. Is that by design? Yeah. Like you have to go through like a trial. To level up. Probably. I mean, that's a very, like... <laughs> There's a main boss I mean, battle I mean, you have to have, and then... Right. <laughs> you can finally get Well, I mean, that's ups. a very, like, Celtic... Very Celtic Norse mythology, like, epic quest sort of thing. That's true. Right? Like the... Or just mythology in general, like yeah. the Trials like of the Hercules. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or like even uh, Native Bear Americans, Wolf. when you had to go out and live on live by yourself for a week right. without anyone's help and survive off the land and kill your... 
kill a beast of some sort to prove that you're a man, even something like that. Yeah. I mean, we can, when we get there in Two Towers, when we see it, I think it's the beginning of Two Towers to the extended edition, we get to see uh, the Balrog fight and then the ensuing weird naked Gandalf up the mountain and his cosmic <laughs> vision. Is that the very beginning of the movie? In the extended cut, I, it, it's near the beginning. That would be a weird. What thing. I would love is that was the opening it's credits. I know it's like, hey guys, welcome to the sequel. It's about to get weird. <laughs> I mean, it's not in the theatrical at all, right? He just shows up. He just shows up. Yeah, but the extended, it's just like anyone who saw the extended saw it in theaters is like the idea for how these were put together. Mm. But man, yeah, you get to see like Gandalf's mystical, magical, cosmic journey. Back to the halls of Mandos there, and then kicked back to Middle Earth. There is a moment in the next minute. That's that is a lot of M's. But uh where I think Well, we'll talk about it tomorrow. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Yeah. We can talk about what Gandalf and the what Gandalf says to the Balrog, yes. though. Which we've quoted already. So <laughs> I am a servant of the secret fire, wielder of the flame of Arnor. Uh, dark fire will not avail you. Flame, flame of Adun. He. That's a lot of uh, capital letters. Yes. There <laughs> yes, is. it is. And uh, there is a great uh, question and answer thing on uh, Stack Exchange mm -hmm. about this that explains what's going on here pretty succinctly. Because that's straight from the book. Yeah, that, that's a quote straight from the book. And there's a lot of clues. There's not really a lot of specifics in the Silmarillion necessary about like what all these things mean. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of clues that you can glean from the text about what... Gandalf is saying to this ancient power. Well, now that we've read like the first bit of the Silmarillion, I know what the secret fire is now. Right. So that's well, cool. the flame imperishable is like is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> yeah. It's like the life essence of everything. Yes. It's the the thing that only Iluvatar can truly wield. Mm -hmm. It's why he can create life, uh, and it's what Melkor covets, and the whole reason Melkor went bad. Right. Is because he wants the ability to create life. So Just be a, a woman. Right? <laughs> the end. Like, you As did you it. As you do. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, so, is, are we, are we that? The women are that? You're servants of the secret fire. Hell yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I want to be a Valar. Right? Valar can create life. Sort Not of. really. I mean, well, he, th he created the dwarves. dwarves. Yeah. And then Luvatar <laughs> is just like, what did you do? And then he's like, oh, but you made something. Oh, and you made cute. it because you love me. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they can live, but they have to live second. <laughs> oh, God. They come later. So Gandalf is a servant of the Luvatar, basically. Yeah, it's what he's, basically what he's saying. The creator deity. Yeah. A servant of the secret fire. Like, yeah. I serve the Holy Spirit, the Valar, the, the God, mm -hmm. Big G. So, wielder of the flame of Arnor. And right. Honor? Honor. Honor. Which is the, the sun and maybe references to other powers from the Silmarillion as well. That could be a reference to the fact that he just has mastery over fire and light. Uh, maybe because of the ring, maybe because of other powers he has as a Maiar. Mm -hmm. and the Elvish ring, you mean. The Elvish ring. Yeah. And then Flame of Adun is a reference to Melkor. Okay. So Can that also, also reference uh, like Hell and the Devil? Is that a vague description of it? Well, Melkor's realm is kind of vaguely described in a classical way. 
okay. as to how hell might be described. It's all like chains and torture and fire. Mm. Uh, to know fun. his his evil fortress. Yeah, okay. Because there's a comment on here that says Udun translates to hell. Yeah, it does. And it's one of Morgoth's hangouts. Yes. Could you imagine that being your hangout? Oh, I'm just going to go to hell on this Friday night. Anyone want to come? <laughs> We're like, ah, uh, no thanks. Uh, I'm going to do homework. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like this, this statement from Gandalf is like an identifying marker and a challenge to the Balrog mm. to be like, all right, come now on. you know that I'm like you. And we're on opposite sides. Do you really want to do this? And the Balrog snorts at him. Balrog's like, hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> I love the look on the Balrog's face when it snorts. It's it's a really convincing, like, arrogant facial expression mm-hmm. on such a not real creature. Yeah. Right? He's like... So, it, the flame even, like, dies down a little bit around his face when he does the snort. And then it kind of, like, sparks out of his nose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A part of you wonders, you're like, wait, you're snorting because are you going to give up a little bit? Like, are you worried now? And then by the end of the snort, you're like, oh, no, you're just being condescending. Calm down there. Yeah. (laughs) Don't be rude. Because You can try to kill us. Just don't be rude about it. So, because if we think that the Balrog and Gandalf have been able to kind of sense each other's power since he entered Moria, Mm -hmm. then the Balrog, because it's a Maiar in full power, it's unclothed, it... And it being able to sense Gandalf, it's just like, what are you going to do? You're trapped in that man suit. Mm-hmm. You're trapped in that man suit. Isn't that like <laughs> the definition of life? Yeah, basically. <laughs> You're trapped in that human suit. Like, right? Oh my gosh, right? it's like uh, Men in Black. Edgar the Bug. Oh my god. <laughs> Man, if anyone does a Men in Black suit. in it, I, I'm, I'm down for that. Oh, Men in Black. Oh god, that'd be so funny. Uh... I love the whole interaction between Gandalf and the Balrog. There's so much here in such a short amount of time mm-hmm. that with background from like the Silmarillion just like meshes really well and color brings a lot of context to this moment that you don't get from just the movie itself. Well, even like just to the casual observer, because there is there's like they've littered the whole movie with proper nouns that even if you have no idea what they're saying, it sounds important. So I don't think that takes away from this this moment at all. No. Because it's still like a confrontation between good and evil. Yeah. And even if you have no idea what he's saying, you're just like, oh, stuff's about to happen. Sounds right. like a big deal. Yeah. Because the basest, simplest way to explain this, like with Silmarillion context, is that this is an angel fighting a demon. Yes. Like, it's so cool. Like, straight up, this is an angel and a demon about to throw down. And the angel doesn't really throw down. He's more like, ha gotcha. He falls down. Man, if church was like this, I'd be like, <laughs> right on. I'm there every week. Uh, <laughs> there is another little, uh, there's another visual effect in this minute that I've always thought was awesome. Which is the way that the Balrog sword dissolves after it hits the force field. Mm. It melts away like like molten metal after so, it hits the bubble. Wait a second. Um, I need to watch sword, this. Is the sword hitting his staff or his elven sword? Or both? There's like a bubble. 
around okay. Gandalf. Okay. There's like a little shield. You know how long it took me to notice that? Like way too long. The bubble. <laughs> yeah, because he's got like a he's got like a little blue light around him. Right. Yes, and what oh, it yeah, took for does. me to notice was the fire dripping down the sides of it, and then I was like, "Oh, look, an orb." Right. And that fire dripping down the sides is the remnants of the sword. Because oh. the sword broke on the force field. What? Wait. Like if you watch that whole that whole oh, swing yeah. through with Alrog. Because right. I've always noticed it melts. Gandalf breaks the sword. But I've never noticed the like the little Steven Universe bubble around him. Right. You know? It's got a little divine shield. Right. That's yeah. so <laughs> That's so cool. That's I never noticed that, but I guess it makes complete sense because it's a sword made out of fire, but it's not an actual sword. So if the angel magic counteracts that devil sword, it's going to dissipate into liquid fire. <laughs> That's so cool. I've Which always I guess loved that, that effect. Mm-hmm. Just, I've always loved the effect of that sword dissolving when it hits the bubble. I keep watching and then he it. summons the whip. Yeah, I don't know, because it happens so quickly. I've literally yeah, never yeah. noticed, like, the circle of protective light around Gandalf yeah. before. <laughs> yeah. And Ian McKellen's just... facial reactions are so intense that you just, you get absorbed in that, too. They could put anything in the background, and I would not notice it. And when they filmed this, he had no idea what the Balrog was going to look like. That's so cool. Not cool in full. Dude. He had an idea of, like, what some of the sculpture and concept work was going to be like but he had no idea what the thing was going to look like on screen mm-hmm. he does such a good job like it's so convincing that he's struggling and he delivers his lines with such authority that but he still sounds tired right right mm-hmm. like the way he delivers that whole that that blurb is so good mm-hmm. man ian mckellen is is a treasure oh my god not a, like a national treasure like a global treasure <laughs> Oh my gosh. I started watching the uh the the orb again and then realized that I needed to stop watching the rest of the movie. <laughs> Cuz it's so the, good. The, you can't not watch the whole thing. Ugh. The Balrog is so offended when his sword breaks. I know. He's like, "Mom, my sword." My like my water friend gave that to me. <laughs> yeah. I like that, like, this is the showiest bit of magic that we get, is the you shall not pass with the little flourish. It's got, like, the most light. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of action. I don't know. So much, like, I just imagine this minute drawn out over the course of, like, five. Because so much happens in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then as the, uh, when he says it and he slams his little, his little staff down. It's, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, he just broke the bridge. And then you're like, but he's on it. Yeah, but nothing's happening. sacrifice Yeah. It's like the, uh, what is it? Um, spot quote. The needs of the oh, many. No. Uh, like the needs oh. of the few. Oh. <laughs> I mean, Gandalf's all about that. Yeah. Right. If we want to be more sad now. This is also the way that Balrogs die in, like, other places in Tolkien's fiction. Yeah, like we talked about they last fall. week with Glorfindel. <laughs> yeah. Like, this elf um, takes on a Balrog and, like, he defeats it, but they both fall to their death. And then yeah. Glorfindel gets resurrected because he's like, hey, yeah. we still need you. The Valar, because Glorfindel, like, made a 
epic self-sacrifice to kill this Balrog, mm-hmm. the Valar, send him back to Middle-earth <laughs> and give him more power. Is that... Huh. Right? That like sounds Gandalf. so right. familiar. <laughs> and like we talked about last week with... Uh, Sean. With Sean. Yeah. Um, that's prob- He probably wrote that Glorfindel story first and it kind of became a prototype for this sort of for this confrontation, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's in the Silmarillion, which is a collection of all of his like earliest notes, right? Because everything is still constantly evolving, yeah. With Tolkien, and everything yeah. rhymes, right? To borrow a phrase from George Lucas, like <laughs> like everything either starts with the same letters or sounds similar, or yeah, just means a bunch. History of repeats itself right. over and over right. and over and over again, right? Which is is part of like the whole theme of like inevitability because mm. there really is very much a theme of like inevitability in this story. Mm-hmm. All this bad stuff is going to happen. Yeah. It's a matter of how you take it beyond is like the big deal. And I mean, that's the conversation that he has with Frodo at the three right. three way tunnel is all about that. I love that scene. It's Me so too. good. <laughs> it, it's the heart of the story. Yeah. I could say that about every scene in this movie, though. Like, when your episodes come up, I'm like, oh, I love this part. <laughs> oh, I love this part. It, you know, it's so good. And I think they did a is... really good job. I, there's people that are online on the internet just hating everything in the world. I think they did a pretty good job with the books to the movie. There's stuff that's missing, but for me... Tom Bombadil. Like Tom Bombadil, which is, <laughs> I understand why they didn't have him. I loved I like Tom Bombadil so much. But yeah. the main thing for me is if you can make me feel watching the movie, how I felt watching the book, even if you don't do half of the stuff that's in it, I'll appreciate that movie more. Because right. books, they fill you with such emotion and you're going to picture something different than the director anytime. But like, if you... If I don't feel, for instance, I really liked the Hunger Game books. The movies did not make me feel the way I felt like reading reading the books. I liked; they're not my favorite books, but they I enjoyed them. <sighs> but I don't know. I think they did a good job with this. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, if if the movie can evoke the same sort of emotion in you that the book did, then the 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 adapter did their job. Yeah, right. I think like there's I don't know this this movie to me is still like the best work of adaptation that I think I've ever seen. Um, I mean, I should watch more movies and read more books, but (laughs) (laughs) like, especially like coming out 16 years ago, like this is incredible. I mean, (laughs) it's better adaptation than the Harry Potter movies. Oh yeah. I mean, I love the Harry Potter movies and I love the books, but like this, just everything like Like, they spent time. They, really look and if they're not talking about something that's in the book say they show you even if it's just a quick little snippet and they don't have everything but they do just enough to kind of satisfy that thirst you have to see what you want to see and they don't overdo like with the hobbit they that one movie (laughs) right maybe two two. I, I, i make the argument that maybe the hobbit can be two movies because just before they enter Mirkwood feels like a natural split. Right. I 100% agree. Have have two solid movies with some really good 
uh, songs in it and more lore because the history that happens in the Lord of the Rings is so beautiful and all the poetry and the songs. That's one thing that I really missed from the movies, but they, the music was so good that it almost made up for it. Right. And I think that all of the other Lord of the Rings movies should have been made into two, the Hobbit into two. Mm -hmm. And then Peter Jackson should just come live with me, and we could talk about Lord of the Rings all day. <laughs> I know when I th I think about like you hear very little about directors spending so much of like their life pouring right. pouring into a project like this because this was like at least five years of his life. Well, he's because him and him and Fran Not and Philippa started Hobbit. writing the scripts in like. Late 96, 1997. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. And then they didn't get okayed for a movie from, uh, well, like they were originally with, um, with Miramax mm -hmm. and then New Line okayed them in 99. Yeah. I thought they like started pitching in 97. So they must've had the script written that two miss that two movie pitch at least. Yeah. Can you imagine then, being the studio that said no? Right. Well, Miramax was originally going to do it for two and then they decided ultimately yeah. not to didn't they go out of business though um, hopefully that's what they get I, remember. I mean miramax made all the early kevin smith movies right i don't know i, love I don't movie. know can you imagine <laughs> well, kevin smith working on the the rings project right that's ridiculous that'd be interesting <laughs> it might actually this... be pretty good i mean i feel like I, I, he's such a nerd that he'd do pretty good I feel like Kevin Smith's version of Lord of the Rings would try to include as many book references as possible per minute. Yes. And could easily turn into like... Like too fan wanky. Like, yeah. Like so much information. Because that's one thing. I mean, the whole thing with comedy is, especially with improv, you want to show the people. You don't want to tell the people. Right. So telling is what this movie could have been was just so much exposition that you're like, I don't care what happened in the past, but with the characters being able to subtly discuss things that happened or things that are going to happen or with the really awesome narration, mm -hmm. it just, it, it, it worked. And I think you're right about Kevin Smith. He would have been a little bit booky. <laughs> yeah. I really, I really think that he, he would have been, I don't think it would have been like, terrible for hardcore fans of the book because there are there are a lot of complainers out there on the internet yeah. about the thing this i love movie. about these movies though is that it's so um accessible like if you gateway yeah you walk in to the movie and you have no idea what's happening and it does such a good job of laying out the story but it also has layers to it so that people who have read the books or have been lifetime fans going into the movie can point out things and still enjoy it without it being overwhelming to casual viewers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I had so. a, uh, for my mom for Mother's Day one year, I was like, let's go see Lord of the Rings. And my mom doesn't really watch movies. She doesn't have the attention span for it and can think of a hundred thousand things she'd rather be doing. So I go <laughs> and I bring her and we sit through this two and a half hour movie and it ends, spoiler, everyone, I'm sure everyone knows how it ends. It ends how it ends. Mm -hmm. And my mom, the credits go up. My mom looks at me and goes, that's it? <laughs> there's no end they just walk down there the hill That's so <laughs> she didn't funny. talk to me for the whole ride home oh, no. it was like worst mother's day ever oh no 
it's like, it's like mom, if you want the rest, movies. right? If you want the rest of this movie, you got to sit through another six and a half hours. <laughs> she hasn't seen it. Oh. <laughs> Poor woman. That's so. Funny. For her, the story just ends with them walking. Down. Yep. That's it. Look, look, Sam. It's Mordor. Right. My mom's like, oh, that's nice. Cool. That's that's so funny. Oh, oh man. So I know that we're already this this episode is already really long. Yeah. But there is another thing in this minute that okay. I think we should mention. Okay. Which is that it's Boromir that stops Frodo from running back to get Gandalf. Yes. Yes. Uh, he he stops him. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is interesting from a character perspective because, like we continually talk about when it comes to the influence of the ring, mm-hmm. you can interpret Boromir's actions and Frodo actions. No. In two ways. Just let Boromir be a good guy. Whether it's some coming from a place of like not wanting Frodo to get hurt, right? Or whether it's coming from a place of not wanting the ring to get hurt. Just, just let Boromir be a good guy. Uh. And I think it's interesting to like keep that that idea of like the split motivation in mind yeah. as you watch the movie. Mm-hmm. I think he's a good guy either way because the yeah. reason he wants the ring is to help his family and his city and his world. Right. Yeah. So it's coming from a place of good to begin with, but right. but the he road is to hell. Right. The literal road to hell. The is little right road here. to hell. It's <laughs> paved with gold. And mithril. Paved, paved in mithril intentions. <laughs> uh, and like, and that's what makes people like Boromir corruptible because they're so devoted to something that you can twist that devotion. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't care about anything. No one can twist my ideals. <laughs> Just watch the world burn. It's fine. That's right. I love fire. <laughs> you and the Balrog be fast friends. <laughs> Oh my god, Turks and Caicos, baby! <laughs> All right. So, I hope everyone has enjoyed this minute so far. Oh, it's long, I'm sorry. No, that's <laughs> cool. fine. I mean, Balrog Week was going to be long, regardless. Yeah. There's so. a lot, lot to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> we just we got a lot of it out of the way on Tuesday, so... Yeah. Now we can be sad the rest of the week. Now we can be sad the rest of the week. <laughs> it's a sad... Oh it's a sad back half. So you can also find on DuelingGenre.com, you can find Doctor's Companion and Geek by Night. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us today, Crystal Beth. Thank you. As always, a special thanks to our Patreon associate producers, Leaper182 and Ed Foster. Hope everyone has a great Tuesday and bye. Bye.